our beer of the week this week is Corona again. One reason, because I bought a 12-pack instead of a 6-pack last week. But also because we're going to be crowning the kings of every division today and the king of the NFL and picking the Super Bowl winner. We got a lot to get through in this final episode that kind of wraps up our preseason series here on Perfect Takes. We've gone through each division, giving our thoughts on different players and personnel changes, as well as throwing some hot takes about how this season will play out. Today, we're going to consolidate all of those takes and more as we predict the entire season. We'll have team records at the end of the season, playoff predictions, and who will win it all, plus a lot more, including accolades like MVP, Rookie of the Year, and some negative superlatives that I think you guys will find fascinating. Yeah, let's jump right into the record predictions part to start. We both use the NFL Playoff Predictor website. I'm sure a lot of people know it. You kind of go through and get to pick the games, kind of game by game, week by week, to add up to the total amount of wins and losses for each team. Uh, we did that last year, too. That kind of spurred the whole evolution and birth of the podcast. And now we're doing it again and trying to predict again. And uh, it, it's kind of tough to go into the full, full year trying to predict all the records because you know you have injuries you have uh trades you have people some people might be holding out at the start of this year but it is a fun exercise and it's going to be a continuation of what we did last year hopefully we're a bit better than we were last year now something that we're gonna add the spice up kind of what we've been doing since last year as jacob was alluding to is we're going to take something from the athletic football show and we're going to have breakout players and X factors for each team that we kind of highlight because we can't do in-depth analysis. So we want to kind of do a brief highlight of like, these are the people and players that are going to make an impact for this team if they want to make a run this year. Absolutely. Uh, and then for our breakout players, don't want to use rookies or players that have been like all pro or all NFL because they've already broken out, obviously. But with that in mind, let's start with the very first division we did back over two months ago when we went, uh, yeah, the AFC North. We went over them in episode one. So to start, uh, I have the Ravens at 13 and four. I'm pretty high on them. They were the division winners until Lamar got hurt last year. And I think uh, if Lamar stays healthy this year, they can just, they're going to pick up right where they left off. And for my breakout candidate for them, I have David Ajabo. You know, he's reunited with uh, Mike McDonald, not McDaniel. I've got to remember that one. Uh, he was the his defensive coordinator in Michigan. He's finally getting a full offseason and a full season of work in this year. So hopefully he can uh, show off that pedigree, which made him a high draft pick two years ago. Yeah, he was explosive at the end of last season. And with the departure of Calais Campbell and some of the other veterans they had on that defensive line, he has big shoes to fill. So I, I completely agree that he's a phenomenal breakout candidate to choose from this roster, and he's going to have a big impact. Now, I'm not as high on the Ravens as you are. I have them going 12-5, and five, so still really high. I have them winning the AFC North as well. And I really think the X factor for him is Todd Monken. Greg Roman had a very run-designed offense, and it benefited Lamar's skill set, but he's gotten injured over the past couple of years kind of being in that offense. So if he can drop back more, take fewer hits, and he can play 17 games, I'm with you totally that this team was the best team in the division last year until he got hurt, and they could definitely win the division if he can stay healthy. 
Absolutely. I think we talked about when we did the Ravens, the whole vision of evolution that the front office has. I think Todd Munkin is a perfect example of that, trying to uh, evolve the offense as they try to grow and get better with Lamar locked in for the next was it five years with his new deal. So, yeah, Munkin's a huge factor for them. Then we have the Bengals last year's winner. I have them at 12 and five. Uh, I think they're still a really good team. That offense is still super explosive. They should be better at the tackle spots this year, which was kind of the main concern on that O-line last year. And their defense is also pretty good. And I know he just got paid, but I think Logan Wilson is going to be a breakout candidate uh, this year. Like we talk about guys like Jesse Bates, who's no longer there. Talk about Trey Hendrickson, who got extended, DJ Reader on the defensive line, and also Jermaine Pratt in the linebacker room. I feel like uh, Logan Wilson is kind of the forgotten guy there, but he's still really good, and he uh, he's helped to lead this team on defense to a couple of playoff bursts the last couple of years. So he's going to be my breakout guy this year. Absolutely. He's been a solid player, and I think sometimes uh, people that remember him from more the national media spotlights, I believe he had a pass interference call versus Cooper Cup in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. So you kind of have those sour tastes in your mouth if you remember it from that perspective, but he is an overall great player. He is been a huge part of the reason for these deep playoff pushes and I think he's a great candidate now I'm not I'm not nearly as high on the Bengals as you are I have them going 10 and 7 I do have them making the wild card but a lot of the hesitation I have with them is the x factor we have for this team and it's the secondary like you talked about Jesse Bates is gone Von Bell is gone they lose Eli Apple and none of these guys are all pros but they were good players that were a part of a weak link system and now when you have a lot of rookies and second-year players stepping into the, those roles, are they able to pick up where they left off? And that's a big question for the secondary and Lou Anaruma this offseason. Yeah, I think that's completely valid. The next team that we're coming up with also, we kind of had questions about their secondary going into the draft. They addressed that a bit with uh, selecting Joey Porter Jr. It's the Steelers. I, this is another team that I have super high I remember talking about the division back when we did this uh, episode one. We said this might be the best division in football, and so far with my records, that's holding true. I have the Steelers at 11-6, and six, and their breakout candidates, their quarterback, Kenny Pickett. He looked really good at the end of last year, comparative to how he started. And I think uh, another year in the Matt Canada system, plus uh, some familiarity, I think he can improve and take the, the second-year step as opposed to the sophomore slump. The Steelers, I have them winning double digits uh, as well. I have them going 10 and 7. Kenny Pickett's going to be a huge reason for it. And it's not so much as like he's this phenomenal passer. It's He's a adequate quarterback on a rookie deal. So they were able to go out and kind of rebolster the left side of the offensive line. And I think they have an above average potential top 10 unit in the league. And if you give Kenny Pickett the time to kind of sit back and pick apart the defense, especially with guys like Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, and Fryermuth, at this point, I think really the X factor is Matt Canada and his play calling. Is he going to be able to give Kenny Pickett easy buttons to where this offense looks electrifying? Or are they going to kind of sputter out of the gate and people start to have questions about Pickett as the quarterback? Yeah, I, I know a lot of Steelers fans aren't too, too fond of Matt Canada. They kind of want him on the hot seat. And then uh, the coach of the final team in the division, I think, is going to be on the hot seat this year. That's the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm not nearly as high on the Browns as I am the other three teams. I currently have them at 7-10. and 10. Uh, I just like the other three teams better. They're pr- they've been proven successful the past couple years. 
And, uh, yeah, it's just the Browns. They have a good roster. I just don't know. I, I have Elijah Moore as the breakout candidate. It's a guy that they traded, I believe, the 43rd or 42nd pick for. They did get a third back in return, so it's not as bad of a trade or at, as high of a trade. But they're clearly high on him if they're willing to part with a pick that high as opposed to just like a fifth rounder or something. Uh, so hopefully he can break out there and have a rapport with the quarterback in Cleveland more than he did in New York, where he kind of kind of wiggled his way out, uh, got benched, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully he, he sticks here and uh, has a good year here. Absolutely. And I'm kind of with you with the Browns. I do like that they added Jim Schwartz and their defense looks absolutely disgusting and will carry them in a lot of games. Um, I, my my big issue, and it's the X factor that we have for this team, but it's it's the Sean Watson. It's the quarterback. He didn't look great when he came back off his suspension last year. And if he doesn't pick it up this year, I think a lot of people are going to start calling for DTR because like you said, Kevin Stavansky is on the hot seat. This is He has no excuses anymore, and they have to execute this year. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I, compared to the other three teams, I just – I don't see this team performing based on just the personnel that they have and the leadership that they have in that organization. Uh, yeah, I think that's a totally valid point. But overall, this division as a whole, like we said, super strong. I, I had three double-digit winners. So did you. I think we both have two. I think you might have the Steelers in the playoffs. We'll get to that part. Yeah. But uh, we, ha we have at least two teams from this division making the playoffs. So really good, really strong division. I would say the only other division in the league that could challenge them for best in the league is probably the AFC East, which is the next one we're getting into. Uh, obviously, the Buffalo Bills, they've been the talk of the division for the past couple years. They're still one of the best teams in the league. I have them at 11 and 6, just a, a slight step back due to the improvement of the other teams in the division. And I have Greg Rousseau as the potential breakout player. Now, he's already pretty good uh he was a first rounder what three or four years ago i, I yeah. think it was three um and they while they did bring in leonard floyd they have brought in von miller over the past uh, couple years i think he's the guy for the future there at the edge rusher position his crazy uh athletic testing and measurables and they just need him to take the leap and be kind of an elite edge rusher guy to complement miller en route to a potential afc championship run Absolutely. You you need a solid rotation. You need guys that can get after the quarterback. And if he can take the next step, that's going to put less pressure on Vaughn Miller, Ed Oliver, and Leonard Floyd while making them all better at the same time, which is is fantastic. I have them going 12-5, and five, winning the AFC East. The X factor is going to be on the right side. It's, it's going to be Spencer Brown at the right tackle position. They did a lot to kind of get bigger and heavier on the offensive side, bringing in a Dalton Kincaid, bringing in Damian Harris. I think they drafted Osiris Torrance out of Florida. They just want to be able to maul teams and not have Josh Allen be Superman down in and down out. So I think it just goes on to some of those pieces on the offensive line, how well they can perform. And that's that's where we have Spencer Brown here. Absolutely. I think he's in the uh, the biggest X-factor position for the Bills this year. The next team we have is the New York Jets. And initially when we did our episode, I believe I had the Jets in second. But going over doing like the records on playoff predictor, they actually came in first in the division for me. I have them at 12 and five. Uh, and I had Jermaine Johnson as the potential breakout candidate. He was one of their many first round picks that they had last year. Uh, he's in a bit of a deep edge rusher and D-line rotation as a whole. 
but first first round pedigree he was one of my first round grades last year and he looked really granted it was the preseason but he looked really good in the preseason against us too so i think he's kind of the guy to take a step in that edge rusher rotation where they don't really have any stars i think he could potentially be their star go-to edge rusher guy and help that defense just stay stout and uh chase after qbs with a really good uh, defensive line rotation hundred percent. They were huge on him during the draft process a couple of years ago when they took him. And he's looking like he's taking that step. Like exactly like you said, when we saw it in training camp and the preseason game, it looked like he had another gear, which that's what you want. Mm-hmm. And so if he can take that step, like we talked about in the Jets episode, they need another pass rusher to step up outside of big Q. So if they get it from him, that would be phenomenal. And it'd be huge for a playoff push. Now, I don't see as much regular season success for him. We'll talk about how I, I expect them to play in the playoffs. But I see him going 10-7 and seven and finish second in the division. The, the big X factor, I think they did a lot to bolster the interior of their offensive line. It's really going to be the tackle play. Is Mekhi Becton going to come in and be solid at the right tackle position, or is he going to deal with another knee injury? Uh, do, you, do you feel comfortable about Dwayne Brown at the left tackle position? Those kind of things and the depth behind it, that's, that's where I think the question lies on this team. Otherwise, they're stacked top to bottom. I couldn't agree more. I think they have one of the better rosters in the league. Uh, another team in this division, just kind of looking at it, all four teams have O-line woes, but another team is the New England Patriots. Obviously, they bring in a real offensive coordinator this year to help Mac Jones. But I, I just don't see them breaking past the other three teams in this division. I have them at 7-10, and 10, but they could easily win more and flip a couple games. And Jawan Bentley, who I know you want to talk about, is the guy we chose as the breakout player. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm higher on the Patriots, usually am, because I do like Belichick and the way he builds the roster. Um, I think Jawan Bentley is going to be all over the field this year. He's going to have Pro Bowl consideration because the way they've designed that defense, they have maulers on the defensive line. They have guys on the back end that can play like lockdown. So at that point, it's really just allowing those linebackers to get after it. And he was a guy that flew around the ball last year. I think he's going to do the same this year and be a big reason why they have a winning record at the end of the year. Absolutely. And we had the the O-line. I had the O-line as a whole as the X factor. You kind of kind of zeroed in on that right tackle spot with Riley Reef, But uh, yeah, the O-line to me, it just wasn't a good unit last year. And if Mac wants to like be able to be a pocket passer and throw like developing routes, stuff over the middle, stuff like that, the O-line really has to step up. Yeah, I mean, Isaiah Wynn leaves in free agency. He wasn't great to begin with. They bring in Riley Reef. Uh, they've drafted guys in later rounds the past couple of years to kind of bolster the interior of the offensive line. You hope Trent Brown's still okay at left tackle, but definitely is a huge concern and is going to have to be a, is the X factor if this team wants to perform and execute on offense. Absolutely. And then the last team in the division also has a bad O-line. It's the Dolphins. I have them at 11-6 and six this year, uh, finishing below the Bills, but same record. I, I just think that offense is super high powered, super fast. I don't see him slowing down very much this year. And I really like the addition of Vic Fangio to coordinate the defense, especially for our breakout candidate in Jalen Phillips, another uh, Miami edge rusher that was drafted high along with Greg Rousseau. I think he's a guy that could be kind of like a Brian Burns guy, really athletic can get around the edge pretty quick. I think he's a guy that could have maybe 10, 11 sacks this year with the new, uh, the new scheme being called up for him. Absolutely. 
I'm not as high on Miami. They were a nine-win team the past several years, whether it was under Mike McDaniel or Brian Flores. I see them actually going eight and nine. Jalen Ramsey's already hurt. Xavier Howard's getting older. That O-line is very worrisome, and those are two weak link systems that really depend on quality depth. And Brett Coleman, he he had a tweet a couple weeks ago about kind of like Vic Fangio's system. It's like in order to execute the perfect Vic Fangio system, you need a great three tackle. You need a shutdown corner on the outside. You need you, you just need certain pieces to make some of those zone concepts work. And at this point, we're already seeing stress put on that. And that's where I'm a little worried about how the Dolphins actually perform down the stretch. And that's, I think, the X factor. We could use the O-line. We've talked about O-lines plenty already, but I think it really is that back-end secondary. Can they hold up and that can they perform with this new zone shell heavy scheme that Fangio is going to bring? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad we went with the corners because the other three X factors in the division were O-linemen. But uh, moving on to the next AFC division, this one has the reigning Super Bowl champs. We're starting with the Chiefs. And now we did our record predictions like a week and a half ago, something like that. And with the news of Chris Jones probably not playing week one or maybe not the first few weeks and Travis Kelsey hyperextending his knee today, my record prediction might be a little off. But I did have them at 13 and four. Uh, winning the division, obviously. I, I still think they're the best team in the division. And Trent McDuffie was my breakout candidate. He, I, he was he was injured for a part of last year, but he came on during that playoff stretch, played really important snaps uh, in the Super Bowl and throughout the playoffs as a whole. If they can get a really good corner across from Legereus Sneed, I think the, the D-line rotation that might be a little worrisome won't be as bad if they have two dogs at the, the back end of the secondary. Absolutely. And you seem to have some of these AFC teams like a game or two ahead of me, and it's the same here. I have them at 12 and 5. We obviously did these kind of record predictions before. We did kind of have confirmation Chris Jones would be out before this Kelsey injury. And really the X factor I think is going to come down to, because we know what we have in Mahomes and Reed, even if Kelsey's out, they're going to be one of the better offenses in the league regardless it's that D-line. Does George Karloftis mm-hmm. take a step? Does Felix Anaduke Uzama, does he look great as a rookie? Like it's some of those pieces that you need them to step up, especially with Chris Jones holding out, with Frank Clark gone in free agency. And I'm not necessarily saying those guys are the future, but those were key pieces in a Super Bowl run last year. And so that makes it very interesting when projecting this team into 2023. I think that's super fair. And another D-line player that we won't see early is Charles Amenahu, who I assume mm-hmm. they signed to start. He's got that uh, six-game suspension, so that D-line rotation the first few weeks might be a little uh, worrisome, and I think on Thursday night it'll be a good example of how it'll be a good uh, way to test their mettle against an offense that was really strong at the end of last year. But uh, moving on to the next team in the division, it was the LA Chargers. I had them finishing 9-8. and eight. I like the Chargers, but to me, like, Chargers are going to charge her until they don't, until they prove me wrong. I We had Zion Johnson as our breakout guy. I think a lot of their young O-line players have played well over the past couple of years. Uh, Slater was – I think Slater was all pro his rookie year, like all pro yeah. second team. So He was, like he was phenomenal up there, there, and then you, you add and Zion yeah, Johnson, they, like you're saying. They added Zion Johnson last year, but I believe he dealt with a little bit of injuries – 
And uh, Jamari Sawyer, a sixth, fifth or sixth round pick from Georgia, stepped in on that left side when uh, Slater went out. So they have a like, and Corey Lindsley's obviously super good. And I believe they upgraded at right tackle as well. Their O-line should be pretty good this year. I'm just looking for Zion Johnson to take the next step to make their interior O-line elite like the Chiefs' interior O-line is. Absolutely. And if you give Kellen Moore a little bit more time to sit back and make some of the big throws that he's capable of making, that offense is only going to look so much better than it did last year and probably even the year before. I have them finishing 10 and 7, so a game ahead of you. I do have them missing the playoffs, and we'll talk more about that later. But the X factor really is, I think this the the predicament that they're in this year is because they didn't can Brandon Staley last year after the Jacksonville Jaguars game. That, to me, is unacceptable from a coaching standpoint, and so they scapegoated Joe Lombardi, and they brought in Kellen Moore. And so now this puts a lot of pressure on Kellen Moore to perform after having a top five offense in Dallas a couple of years. So we'll see what happens. I think a lot rests on his shoulders if this ends up being a playoff team that contends for the AFC crown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Kellen Moore is definitely under the most pressure or one one of the uh, coaching changes under the most pressure this year. Uh, the Broncos are next and. They have another coaching change. He's not under as much pressure, though. I have the Broncos going eight and nine. Uh, I think they really do take an improvement under Sean Payton. I mean, they're getting a real coaching in there, and I, I think he can salvage a little bit of uh, what Russ was last year. I don't I don't think he'll ever be like the 2016, 2017 Russ ever again, but I think he'll make him serviceable. Uh, the uh, breakout player that I had, was Greg Dulcich, the tight end. I think he can really take a step. I know Sean Payton likes to use his tight ends in his systems. I think he's the perfect guy to uh, to break through with some of the wide receiver woes that they've already dealt with in the offseason. And I know you had another we, breakout we, guy. We saw that Dulcich, yeah, I'll, I'll get the Browning in a second, but Dulcich, I mean, I drafted him in two of my fantasy leagues. We saw what Sean Payton did with Jimmy Graham prior. So it's like, I I have my fingers crossed. Like, again, I think this is a guy that could have a true, like, second-year breakout. I do see the Broncos because of the division they play in and the conference they play in. I see him going 6-11. and I think they're going to look a lot better on offense. But I think there's going to be some regression on defense, and that's where it kind of evens out. I do think the calming presence will be the X factor of Sean Payton. I think he's just going to bring a level of professionalism and how to run a team that even if it takes a year or two to kind of build the system there, it's going to look like competent football. And that's that's really what you want to see as an NFL fan. You want to see promise that, hey, we are building and going in the right direction. Now, like you said, I have a different breakout player. I think it's going to be Baron Browning on defense. You ship out Bradley Chubb. And the reason why you ship out Bradley Chubb is you had just paid Randy Gregory and you were really high on a guy, Baron Browning. And he looked really, really good before. I think it was an ACL tear last year. And I think if he can come back, kind of get his get himself back in the system, he could really take off and be a huge difference maker on that defense. Yeah, their front seven is one of the best in the league, even with losing Ejiro uh, Evero as their coordinator. So I think they'll still be stout there. And like you said, they traded for Sean Payton. So he has, when you trade for a coach, a first-round pick, no less, that has to be uh, your X factor and what changes your your fortunes going forward. The last team in the division is the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, we're both not super high on them. Uh, I have them at four and thirteen. I think like I think we this talked is the about, first team that we've talked about. We have the same exact record. We both have them at four and thirteen. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. 
um, during the episode where we talked about the AFC West, uh, we were all, both of us were low on them, and Joseph uh, Hefner, our guest, was low on them. I think this is a team that's going to be looking for a new QB, maybe in next year's draft or this upcoming draft. I have Jacoby Myers as the breakout kind of guy. He did just get paid, so people know his name. But I think being in the uh, Josh McDaniels, it escaped me for a second, his uh, system, I think uh, he'll be able to thrive a bit more than he was able to last year with Matt Patricia calling his plays for him. I think that's a great scheme fit. I mean, you bring in quarterbacks that knew your system. You bring in Jacoby Myers, who he started his NFL career in Josh McDaniel's system. So a lot of continuity there, a lot that you could be excited for in the offense. But there there are a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball, and that's why the X factor I have is Tyree Wilson. You spend a top 10 pick on who I think could be a better edge rusher than Aiden Hutchinson, the um, who I thought was the best edge rusher in last year's class. So when you get that kind of value and you can put it next to Mac, Max Crosby on that defensive line, if you can get after the quarterback, that does change what you can do on the back end. You can drop more guys on the coverage. And maybe, maybe you can be an average team in the NFL. But that's where you have to have a lot of things break right. I just don't see that happening. Again, it goes back to the Denver Broncos point. You play in a stacked division and a stacked conference, and it just makes it really hard to kind of wiggle your way and get a couple just free wins. Yeah, that's super fair. Uh, do you see Tyree Wilson in the preseason versus the Cowboys, what he did? Yeah, he, he blew up the up tackle. Their, yeah, he picked up the tackle and carried him into the QB. That's yeah. uh, So if he – it seems like he's 100% healthy and good to go, he's going to be a game wrecker for him. And another team – we're moving on to the AFC South now, last AFC division. Another team with a, uh, a high pick at edge in the past couple years is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I know in the AFC South episode, I said I think they could be the number one seed in the AFC, and I have that holding true. I have them winning 13 games, 13 and four, being the number one seed, and we have Trayvon Walker as the breakout player. Uh, this one's self-explanatory. Number one overall pick, uh, just, just play like a number one overall pick, and he's instantly a breakout candidate, you know? Yeah, and that was that was the whole allure to getting Trayvon Walkers. He had all the traits he just needed to kind of learn the position and get after. And so he said some things about, hey, when I put my hand in the ground more, I was I was getting a little bit more production. So maybe after a year in the system, they kind of know what he does best and they can activate more of that. I do think, though, and I have him as the number two seed in the AFC. I I believe the reason why they're going to be so good is the addition of Calvin Ridley on the offense. I think he is a true X factor, like we've seen with Josh Allen getting Stefan Diggs in year three, Jalen Hurts getting A.J. Brown in year three. I think that's exactly what happens in this offense. They're getting a guy that the last time we saw a full season from him was all pro second team. Now, granted, it's been several years since he's played ball, but I think he is that kind of difference maker where it takes this offense to another level and they are they're talked about as contenders by the end of the season. Yeah, that's the step I want to see from the Jags. And you kind of talked about with the uh, the Broncos and the Raiders playing in a stacked conference or stacked division or yeah, conference as a whole. We're going to start to see that with the next three teams in the AFC. The next one's the Titans. Uh, I have them at seven and ten. I, I do trust them more than the other two teams in the division that we'll talk about in a second, but. I'm just not there with them being able to compete with the Jags. We had Traylon Burks as our breakout player. 
really, really good upside receiver. I believe he was my receiver two in last year's, two years ago's draft. Uh, just a lot of upside. I think he could eventually fill kind of the A.J. Brown role that was there a couple of years ago in Tennessee. But uh, looking to see him take a leap with DeAndre Hopkins there to take some of the attention away from him. Absolutely. And I have him going eight and nine. I have him getting close to that 500 mark. And big reason for that's Mike Vrabel getting the most out of his guys. And one of the guys that hopefully they can get the most out of. I mean, you add Peter Skaronsky in the draft, who's going to start at left guard. And hopefully at some point replace their left tackle, Andre Dillard, who was a backup for the Eagles last year. They signed him in free agency this year. And if he can be a very adequate tackle starting for them, that helps their offensive line tremendously because it is in shambles right now. So if they can fix the left side this offseason and then shift towards the right side next year, they could start positioning themselves with either Malik Willis uh, or Will Levis as the starter next year behind a good offensive line, weapons on the perimeter, and then obviously a stout defense that we've seen Vrabel coach year in and year out. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going through that soft rebuild uh, that we talked about during that episode. And then we get to another team where you and I have the same record, the Indianapolis Colts. I have them at 5-12. and 12. Um, they're, they're obviously rebuilding. New head coach, new QB, a lot, of, uh, a lot of rookies in this draft that are starting and contributing. So – I think five and 12 is fair. They're, they're starting their rebuild and they know what they're doing. We had Alec Pierce as the breakout candidate on the team. We knew, or we know that uh, Michael Pittman is the number one guy there. And Pierce showed some flash last year. I know he was on your fantasy team, really good and athletic. Yeah. He, he just needs to be more consistent and high pointing and bring down contested catches, uh, which Richardson's going to give him chances to high point the ball. Absolutely. He just he has to win those 50 50 jump balls and help his younger quarterback out. The X factor is going to be the rookies and their secondary. And what they did this year is they said, hey, we trust our coaches. We're bringing Shane Steichen, who's done a really good job developing quarterbacks and getting the most out of the guys around them. And we're going to go out and get them athletes and playmakers. And they had, I believe, the highest Raz draft class. So highest relative average score for a lot of these players, you, you get a guy like Josh Downs, a Dubawari, just just ballers. And so when you, you add that influx of talent, that's what's going to be the difference maker. If they're able to win six or seven games, it's because those guys take a step in year one. Absolutely. Richardson, 10.0 raw score. Uh, Juju Brents, I think it was 9.99 raw score. Just a ton of premium athletes there. And then the last team in the AFC and in the division, the Houston Texans, they're also going through a rebuild, uh, kind of the same way the Colts are. I have met four and 13. I, I kind of trust uh, the Steichen Richardson pairing a bit more than D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud. But we had the breakout player as Derek Stingley Jr., who I believe was the third overall pick a couple of years ago, ahead of guys like Sauce Gardner. If they mm -hmm. can get him to be a true lockdown corner, the guy he was his freshman year at LSU when he won the national championship with that stack team, then they're set or then they're just going to be dangerous on defense with Will Anderson rushing the passer, some developmental guys at linebacker and a lockdown guy like Stingley. They have some pieces. They're, they're like an average roster. That was uh, the word I used for him was like meh. And I have them going five and 12. I think they're going to stay competitive in a lot of the games, but it's really going to come down to how does CJ Stroud perform? 
He's got a good offensive line. He's got some weapons around him. Does Bobby Slow give him enough easy buttons to where he looks like an NFL quarterback? Because that's really going to be the big question. If he he has a terrible rookie season, there's going to be a lot more questions in Houston, especially when they gave up so much to then go get Will Anderson. So we'll see how that all plays out by the end of the year. Now we're transitioning to the NFC, and we'll start with the NFC North. Where do you see the Lions kind of finishing the wrap-up the year? Well, with the AFC, I want to say, you saw for me in particular, a lot of 13 and 4, 12 and 5, 11 and 6 kind of records. You're not going to see that for me in the NFC. Uh, I think the NFC is going to be a lot more grittier. And starting with the Lions, we actually ended up with the same record again. I have them at 9 and 8 winning the division. I know it's a bit different for you, but we'll get there in a second. We had uh, Josh Pascal as our breakout candidate. They really just need another edge rusher across from Aiden Hutchinson. And I know Pascal showed some stuff at the end of last year. I know, uh, I believe it was James Houston showed some stuff in preseason versus us and at the end of last year. But if somebody can break out and be that guy opposite Hutchinson, I think their defense is in a lot better shape uh, this year going forward. I know the D-line was our concern when we did that episode. Yeah, and it still is. Interior defensive line is a little bit worrisome. You draft Broderick Martin. I know they're okay with some of the guys they've had there, but this was a team that struggled to stop the run, and offenses are just going to keep doing that if you can't stop it. So I know they did a lot to address the linebacker holes that they had with drafting Jack Campbell. They shored up a lot of secondary concerns in free agency and even the draft with the Brian Branch. But that's what I'm going to keep coming back to is do they have the guys in the middle of that defense that are going to be able to stop the run? And I think at this point they don't. And that's why it's the X factor here. Absolutely. Going on to the next team, we have the green Bay Packers. And this is uh this is an interesting one. We, this is where I think our first big uh, differential between our two records, I have them at seven and 10 uh, second in the division, I believe. And we had Christian Watson as our breakout guy. I think he's the obvious one, right? Uh, just super, super athletic receiver. Another 9.9 whatever raw score kind of guy. He struggled a bit to start the year last year. I, I don't think he and Rodgers were on the same page. You know, Rodgers, he needs to trust his receivers. And I know Watson had a couple drops early in the year that would have gone for touchdowns. But I think starting uh, around week 10, he really started to turn it on. Maybe week 9. He was a really good receiver, a true deep threat, could win with his speed and strength, athleticism. I think uh, if he can continue off of that, he can really take a leap into a a really good young receiver that everybody's going to want to keep their eyes on when the Packers are on. Absolutely. And you're close to their their actual record or what their record will be. You just got to flip it. I have them going 10 and 7. And I think they're going to win the division. I think this is a team that is vastly underrated that added a lot of talent in the draft the past couple of years. And some of the guys that they've drafted in the past couple of years are going to take a step this year. And I think one of those guys, he's not our breakout candidate, but he is our X factor. And it's somebody that's in the interior of that defensive line that's going to wreak havoc uh, beside Rashawn Gary and some of the, um, who, who do they have? Kenny, what's Kenny Clark. And then they added, uh, Lucas Van Ness in the draft this year. Yeah, they did. But the the guy that we have as the X factor is Devontae Wyatt, who you thought was the second best defensive tackle to come out of Georgia the past couple of years with guys like Jordan Davis and um, Jalen Carter. So 
this is a guy that can really, really shore up the run game from that aspect, can get after the quarterback. And when you have a guy like that, then you can drop so many more in coverage and really just confuse the quarterback. So I think this defense is going to carry this team. And I think Jordan Love has looked good from what we've seen in preseason. So I, I think this is a team that can take a step um, under Matt LaFleur, under this new regime, and start a new era. I absolutely think that the Packers are the most interesting team to watch this upcoming season. I think their range of outcomes is just huge, but it is interesting to watch with LaFleur getting control, Jordan Love uh, taking over, and some of those young defensive guys stepping up and getting that defense back to what we thought it could be, kind of as a dominant defense with a lot of big names on it. And, and before that... we move on to the Vikings, what I want to touch on is like we now get the judge Matt Lafleur. Like we saw Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, all get the Super Bowls with kind of their guys, their systems, and that's what Matt, Matt Lafleur has lived in is Aaron Rodgers' shadow. So now he's he's out from under that, and I think it's going to be really cool to see his arc and see if he really is a quarterback whisperer, and that would be cool. Right, and he gets to call his offense now. When Rodgers was there, they kind of had to kind of mesh it in between his offense and what Rodgers wanted to do. So it will be interesting to see uh, kind of the play calls we see this year. I know you think that uh, they might be heading towards that 12 personnel wave with some of their acquisitions in the draft. So, so yeah, absolutely super interesting team to watch, both on offense and defense. Uh, A team that doesn't have, or we don't think will have a great defense this year, Minnesota Vikings. I also have them going 7-10. and little bit of a theme here with this division and we have Marcus Davenport as the breakout player we we kind of know him as NFL fans as a guy that the Saints traded up for traded a first round pick for didn't really pan out with the Saints he dealt with a lot of injuries there and now he's on a kind of a prove it deal with the Vikings I think if he can be healthy the full year and take the step uh, and play like to his draft pedigree I believe he was a top 16-ish pick I think I think he was like 14 yeah. or I mean a top 20 pick I mean that's yeah yeah you're, top 20 you're pick, kind of yeah. cemented as and but they lost to Darius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson this year too so they kind of need him to step up so I think he's in a prime position to break out this year and earn himself another contract uh once he leaves the Vikings this year or maybe an Absolutely. extension from the Vikings it could be. And him and Daniil Hunter, you have that off the edge. You you lost to Darius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson, and you, you need him to break out. Now, a guy that I think will be more the X factors, they don't have a lot of pieces in the secondary, and they brought in Byron Murphy from Arizona. I think if he can be kind of the shutdown, lockdown corner in Brian Flores' system, that will open up a lot more things, keep them competitive in games, because this offense is electric. That's that's not mm-hmm. the question. I have them going eight and nine. I think this is going to be a top 10 offense in the league. You have Justin Jefferson. You have TJ Hawkinson. You just drafted Jordan Addison, who was your wide receiver one. Just so much talent. And then it's like first and second rounders all on the offensive line. So at that point, it really is, can the defense just hold? And with Brian Flores, you might have a shot with that. Now, with the Bears, they they went 3-14 and 14 last year. I think we're both on the same page with how we see them taking a step this year. What what are the, I guess you would say, the, the breakout candidates for this team? I, I think there's really one, and it's Fields, right? At two years there, he's dealt with a bad O-line. Last year wasn't too, too bad. But uh, the perspective is that it's a bad O-line, bad weapons, bad coaching, what have you. Well, 
they upgraded the O-line. They drafted a right tackle in the top 10. They traded for DJ Moore, a true number one weapon. So it's time for Fields to step up and uh, be the breakout candidate. He, he, he flashed his athletic ability towards the end of last year, but I think they kind of want him to be more of a uh, in-the-pocket passer, and we'll see if that comes to fruition this year. I have them at 7-10, and 10, my third 7-10 and 10 team in this division. Uh, and you also have them seven and 10 there. Who, who do you think is going to be the X factor for them? Well, I'll, I'll piggyback. I, I know I was going off, but I, I think with this run game, like you were talking about the addition of Darnell Wright, I think Khalil Herbert could be an intriguing dark horse breakout candidate, really take a step and really be the feature back there beside Justin Fields, because it's a crowded running back room. So seeing who will kind of take a step, whether it's him or Roshan Johnson would be really cool. When we talk about X-Factors, I think it's Yannick Ngakwe. They need to be able to get after the quarterback. I think they're going to go 7-10, and 10, like you said. They're going to finish at the bottom of the division. Um, but they got to get after the quarterback. They shored up the interior defensive line. They shored up the linebackers. They did some work on the secondary, but they don't have any pass rushers. So having some form of, or ability, whether it's stunts or getting Yannick Ngakwe on one-on-ones, you got to be able to get after the quarterback in today's game. And it'll be interesting to see how the defense kind of schemes that up this year. I think that's fair. I had Kyler Gordon as my kind of X factor for the team. They already have a good corner in Jalen Johnson, some good safeties in Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson. But Kyler Gordon, Kyler Gordon rather, was pretty horrendous last year. I believe he was the 34th, 35th pick in the draft. So high draft pick, but one of the worst corners in the league. He's already taken steps in the preseason and uh, training camp offseason, stuff like that. So if they can get competent corner two play, I think that's going to do wonders for their defense, even with the defensive line. If they have a shutdown unit in the back and they paid for linebackers in the uh, offseason this year, I think uh, it's going to take some pressure off of the defensive line and give them more time to work. So that's why I have Kyler Gordon there. Absolutely. But, uh, and like you said, if that if that ends up being the case, he takes a step, then it does relieve pressure on exactly what I think needs to be the X factor. So I think I think you're spot on with that. Now, probably the best division in the NFC is the NFC East. And we have two different division winners. We'll start with yours, the Dallas Cowboys. You have them finishing at a mighty 13 and four. Uh, there we go. I said a little, little break in the gap. Yeah, we yeah. weren't on the same page. <laughs> a little late. Yeah, you, you teed me up. It took me a second to uh, to get the dunk. But uh, 13 and 4, like I said during the NFC East episode, I think we called it NFC Beast. They have the best roster in the NFC and maybe the league. It, it's super deep across the board. Uh, good QB play, good weapons. They traded for Brandon Cooks. They traded for Stephon Gilmore. Good D-line, good linebackers, good secondary. Tony Pollard is going to emerge without uh, having to deal with Zeke, vulturing all his touches. Uh, just uh, They have good tight ends, a good tandem there. Ferguson, they drafted Schoonmaker, and they had, uh, who's the other? Peyton Hendershot. Uh, you really like uh, Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer taking over. Dan Quinn is one of the better defensive coordinators in the league. I think it's all there for them to be the number one seed in the regular season. And I think the breakout guy is going to be Tyler Smith, their first rounder from last year. He's going to be playing left guard to start the year, uh, as long as Tyron, Tyron Smith is healthy. They got two Ty Smiths on the left side of the O-line. It's kind of nutty to think about. 
But uh, he looked really good as a rookie. I kind of billed him when I watched him. I think he had over 11 holding penalties at uh, his time in Tulsa. He was really grabby, but he really cleaned that up as a rookie. And I think his physicality and his ability to move with his strength is going to be huge for them, especially at the guard spot where I thought he would be better in the pros. He could be, and I know I'm kind of paraphrasing Nate Tice here, he could be kind of a Pro Bowl caliber guy this year if he breaks out. Absolutely. Like he stepped in phenomenally last year. Nobody saw what he, he ended up doing even coming like Tyron Smith being out like Cowboys fans knows that usually means the end of their year or they kind of sputter and they didn't Tyler Smith kind of picked up and, and they were able to keep going and chugging along. What I love so much about this Cowboys team, I've heard it from different people that do scouting where usually at like different events, like it's the Bengals and the Cowboys who have the most scouts or most representation at some of those events. So they're constantly getting eyes on prospects. And then what they did this off season for any of you analytics uh, nerds, uh, they've, they've hired so many people from their staff. Like they, they hired the one Colts uh, guy. I, they brought in a couple other uh, heads and they're trying to compete with the Eagles. They're trying to be competitive all across the board and be the best they can be. And I know everybody hates Cowboys fans, but this is legitimately a really, really good roster. And it's hard to knock them. I don't have them going 13 and four. I have them going 11 and six. And I think the X factor is going to be CD lamb on that offense. I think uh, like you alluded to, I'm a big fan of McCarthy and Schoenheimer, and I think they're going to be able to scheme some things up where Dak and CD are really going to be clicking in on the same page for most of the year. That's fair enough to me. I'm not as huge on McCarthy. It's, it's just because he hasn't called plays in a while, but I think uh, if he can get some good stuff rolling, the sky's the limit for the Cowboys. Then we go to the Eagles, who won the division last year. I have him taking a step back, going 11-6. and six. And I have Nakobe Dean as kind of the breakout player. You could really go with either of the two Georgia guys, but I think Dean is set to maybe get more snaps and play better than uh, Jordan Davis, who might have his role kind of buried beneath Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and their really good D-line rotation. I think Dean is ready to be that guy in the middle. He was that guy in the middle at Georgia calling the defenses on the field. And uh, if he can roam around and clean up that second level, I think their defense is not really going to miss a beat with a lot of the departures that they've had this offseason. Absolutely. I mean, this is a team that even though they lost so much, still has such a good roster top to bottom. I have them going 12 and five, uh, a little bit better than you have them. My main concern being the X factor is going to be the wide receiver depth. A.J. Brown has dealt with injuries in the past and who they have. They have four guys right now signed. Uh, to the 53-man roster. They have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Zacchaeus from Atlanta, and Quez Watkins, a Philly favorite, and a fantasy darling. So those four guys are who you have kind of in that wide receiver room, and that kind of depth worries me. If A.J. Brown goes out, all of a sudden, are you running more 12 personnel, more run-heavy concepts under Brian Johnson, uh, or are you able to kind of keep the aerial attack that you've had from last year? So that'll be interesting to kind of see as this year progresses. Absolutely. Uh, we have so differences between one and two in the division, but we both have the same number three, and that's the Giants. We actually have the same record. I have them nine and eight, and so do you. I think the, uh, the breakout candidate is going to be Evan Neal. He didn't have the greatest rookie year. He dealt with a few nagging injuries. But Giants fans should know that it might take a couple of seasons for their young O-linemen to kind of blossom. Andrew Thomas, uh, I think at the time after his rookie year, we were hailing him as 
maybe like a crazy bust pick. He was, I think he was the fourth overall pick. He just wasn't very good after his rookie year. And then he started to pick it up in year two. And now he's probably one of the top four or five left tackles in the league. He's really good. Yeah. So if Evan Neal can start to take that step, uh, start to go in the right direction, I think their O-line is going to be much improved this year, especially with uh, the addition of John Michael Schmitz in the draft and getting some more pieces on the interior. It's it's such a huge part of what Brian Dable is building in New York. And if he can take a step that helps Daniel Jones stay upright in the pocket and you just pay him 40 million a year. And that's exactly you need him healthy if you want to operate the offense you want to operate. And the X factor I have is actually on the defense. They they did a lot on the interior over the past couple of years. They have Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. They added Ashawn Robinson this past year. Uh, the secondary, I like. They have a Dory Jackson from Tennessee that they signed, I believe, last offseason. They just drafted Deontay Banks out of Maryland, who's shut down. And if he's their lockdown guy in Martindale's defensive system, that's huge. So who do you need to step up but another top 10 pick you had last year from Chicago and you need Thibodeau to step up. You need him to take the leap and be a premium edge rusher because if he can take over games, this team will be back in the wild card this year and they'll be a true contender. I think next year when they have another off season underneath their belt with this regime, like it, they, they are really doing it the right way and it's going to be exciting to watch this team in the next couple of years. Absolutely. I think uh, Thibodeau's ceiling is super high. And while this team, I think, did overachieve just a bit last year, they did it with players that uh, weren't the best. And bringing in a lot of talent this offseason, I think they are heading in the right direction, like you're saying. Uh, a team that's probably going to start heading in the right direction with the new ownership changes. The last team in the division, that's the Washington Commanders. I'm not as high on them as you are. I have them going 5-12. and 12. But like we talked about during the NFC East episode, their record doesn't matter. They've already won this season with the ownership change. Uh, I think the, the new owner already said that they're going to be investing in the facilities there, which is huge because they had one of the worst grades on that uh, – was it the free agency report card that came out yeah. in, back in March? They don't March. take care of their players. They don't take care of their fans. Like this is something right. with the new ownership group that they're going to care. And that's, that's going to make a difference. Absolutely. And with that, I have the breakout candidate for them being second year receiver, Jahan Dotson. Uh, he had seven uh, touchdown catches as a rookie last year, and he didn't even play the full year. He was uh, banged up a little bit in the middle there. I think he has all the makings of being a guy that is a possession winner, uh, especially across the middle. He's not this super big, like 6'4 receiver, 220 pounds. He's more slender. He's probably, he might be listed at six foot. He's probably closer to 5'11. But his hands are some of the best I've ever seen. He just snags everything out of the air. I think him building the rapport with Sam Howell, if he's their QB going forward or whatever, or whomever their QB is going forward is going to be huge. I think he's going to break out this year, especially with Terry McLaurin de dealing with a bit of turf toe to start the year. Now you alluded to your X factor. Ours is a little bit different. Uh, just like the records, I have them going seven and 10. I think this is a really, really good roster. My concern is the offensive line. You have Charles Leno at the left tackle, but outside of that, it's just kind of a bunch of hodgepodge mess. Like you bring in Andrew Wiley from Kansas City last year. He wasn't necessarily this stalwart right tackle. And so you're hoping you can just keep Sam Howell up in the pocket 
to get the ball to these playmakers. You have Terry McLaurin. You have Logan Thomas. Like you said, you have Jahan Dotson. You have these guys that can make plays. The biggest thing is, is the O-line going to afford the offense the time to make those plays? Fair enough. So we'd be moving on to the NFC West and looking at it, we have a lot of similar records. So we'll start with the team we think is going to win it. That's the Seattle Seahawks. We both have them at 12 and 5. I just think they've improved a ton this offseason. I know you feel the same way. I think their breakout candidate is going to be on that D line with Boye Mafe, an early pick in two year or last year's draft. Uh, he wasn't really the the most effective edge rusher last year. There, I don't think their edge rush rotation was anything to write home about last year. But I think he's going to take a step in year two uh, with Uchenna Nwosu. They bring in Derek Hall from Auburn, bring in Draymond Jones to bolster that line. Jaron Reed is back. back yep, exactly. Yeah, the, the D-line as a whole is better. And I think that's just going to give him more opportunities to uh, get one-on-one looks and rush the passer at a more effective level. Absolutely. I think what I want to see in terms of a breakout candidate is Michael Jackson on the back end. You you know what you have with Reek Woolen. He's he's locked down. He He's great at what he does. You just drafted Devin Witherspoon, which if he can play in the slot and kind of follow some of those motions and shut down that aspect of an offense, it really comes back to who's the cornerback to on the outside. And that's that's Michael Jackson right now. So if he can take a step, this defense could be very suffocating because they have some good safeties in Jamal Adams and Diggs. And we talked about this team. Like they they have so much going right for them. And that's why the X factor is going to be the interior offensive line. As the season progressed last year, it kept pushing back into Geno and it didn't allow him to step in the throws and make the plays that he was making earlier in the year. And so they shore up a lot of that with draft picks. And if those guys can take a step, this offense may be really electrifying. Absolutely. I think one of uh, one of our takes in that episode was that they would have a top 10 offense. I think that was your take. And I, I had the take that Lockett, uh, Metcalf and Smith and Jigba would be the best fantasy wide receiver trio. So we're both pretty high on their offense. They just need that interior O-line to uh, to keep the depth of the pocket. Uh, going on to the next team, we have the San Francisco 49ers, another team where we have the same record. Uh, we both have them going 10 and 7. I just think that uh, the Seahawks are improving, right? I think the Niners have taken a bit of a step back in terms of their coaching losses and some of their starters on defense. And that's why I have Drake Jackson, the second-year edge rusher from USC, as their breakout player. Uh, In per-snap basis, he was pretty good last year. He generated a lot of pressures, got into the backfield a lot. He just didn't play much because their D-line last year was incredible. He's going to have more of a chance now because Charles Amenahu is gone. So I think uh, him getting an extra chance, uh, maybe he has a bit different role under Steve Wilkes. I think he's going to uh, have a lot, like just a bigger opportunity and be able to rush the passer a lot more this year. And that's why he's my breakout candidate. Speaking of Steve Wilkes, like you said, I have I have the 49ers going 10 and 7. I don't think they're the team they were last year for various reasons, uh, free agency departures, kind of injury concern, health concerns with several players. And the X factor falls on that coaching staff. You lose D'Amico Ryans, who was a phenomenal play caller, like a true force multiplier, a difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. And while Wilkes is a great coordinator, he is a great leader of men. You wonder if there's going to be a drop off there. 
And that's that's kind of the big concern is can they kind of continue where they've been at or will there be regression? So that'll be interesting to see. The bottom two teams we have in the NFC West, they're they're kind of fighting for top 10 picks. Yeah, it's a couple of stinkers. Uh, the only team where we have differing records in this division, actually, is the Los Angeles Rams. I have them going 4-13. and 13. Uh, Even with Stafford and Cup, who Cooper Cup is now dealing with a nagging hamstring injury, he's still in Minnesota, as far as I know, uh, getting looked at by a specialist. So his... His uh, status for week one might be in doubt. Uh, with that being said, I have Van Jefferson as their breakout candidate. He was a guy that uh, he was one of their high draft picks. Now, the Rams high draft picks mean like third rounders. But uh, he's a guy out of Florida who has shown some promise. And I think that if Cooper Cup misses some time, he's really going to be that number one option on the outside. So I'm looking at him to take a step uh, this season as a as a like a, a I don't know how to put it an improved NFL receiver I guess is how I would put it. Yeah, no, and his his dad's our wide receiver coach. This is pretty cool. That's true. I have I have him going five and twelve this year, and the big reason is is every time we talk about this Rams team, a lot of people want to bring up the superstars that were part of that Super Bowl and not all the key contributors that were also on that roster. And literally, it is very hard for the average fan to name Rams defensive players outside of Aaron Donald. Like, and that is why the X factor is, can anyone else step up? Like you have John Johnson, you brought back in the secondary, you have a couple pieces there, but a lot of these guys are late round, like mid round draft picks or undrafted free agents that are starting. And if the defense cannot stop offenses there's a lot of concerns on the offensive side like you were saying cooper cups health and kind of depth in some of those areas where it's going to put a lot of stress on the offense and sean McVay. so this doesn't seem like a great year it seems like they're they're really trying to rebuild and it's it's a hard reset while trying to stay competitive i'm concerned about stafford's health too behind uh not a great o-line i don't think that we're thinking that the o-line is going to be too much better from last year's so yeah it's just a concerning team overall just want to point out we wrote for the x factor for this team anyone on defense other than aaron donald and i i think uh you nailed it there like (laughs) anyone needs to step up for this team to have some success this year the final team in this division however we both have going worse than the rams somehow both have them going three and fourteen That's the Arizona Cardinals. They're going to be without Kyler Murray for at least four weeks. It seems like uh, the new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, isn't really inspiring his players much (laughs) based on some of the uh, the stuff from Cardinals social media and stuff like that. Uh, Hey, do you ride the bus? uh, Just out of curiosity, do you ride the bus? (laughs) Yeah. Do you bring the the fire? You need to bring the fire. But uh, uh, he's a guy... Uh, he's a head coach in the NFL that needs to get the most out of his players, especially on defense. And one of their high uh, first-round picks on defense that's still with the team, they did send Isaiah Simmons to New York, is Zayvon Collins. He's a guy that he was listed as a linebacker when they drafted him, and they've had him playing edge rusher a bit in the preseason, and he he's looked pretty good there. He might have found his true position, kind of like how Hassan Reddick found his true position uh, once he left the Cardinals. But if they can unlock Zayvon Collins and – really get him thriving where he's supposed to be i think he's going to have a breakout year for them absolutely this feels like at best 
what the Dolphins were the first year under Brian Flores. I feel like this is a team that's going to go like one and seven halfway through the year. Uh, there were a couple games that you kind of pointed out in the middle of their like season that they could win. And that's probably when they're going to kind of figure it out and pull it together. But they ship out Isaiah Simmons. They're really counting on a lot of young guys and a new system to kind of gel together. And it's it's not going to look pretty. They, they do not have pieces on the back end outside of really Buda Baker. Uh, there's there's that nice kind of like glimpse we could have with Zayvon Collins and a couple plays, but he's not going to be a guy that can just dominate play a play after play, snap after snap. So it's one of those things that this is a team that is really rebuilding for the future. Austin Ford did a lot this past draft to kind of build draft capital up so they can be a team like the Chicago Bears next year and and be a more mediocre team as they're kind of rebuilding. But like you said, the the rah from Jonathan Gannon is a little worrisome. We saw that with Matt Rule here in Carolina. And sometimes you just need somebody that's even keel that knows what they're doing. Like you're, you're professionals. Like these are guys in the NFL. This isn't like, oh, you're a college walk-on. Like you need that extra motivation. No, these guys are professionals. They, they work day in and day out. They need guys that are putting them in the best situations. Like Mike McDaniel would say it's, that is the coach's job. And that's what I want to see this year is the scheme actually working. Are they putting their guys in the best position possible? Absolutely. That's all we have. Nick Rallis, their new defensive coordinator is kind of our X factor. I think we both agree that the, uh, the interesting pieces on this team are on defense and uh, if he can, he's a first-year play caller, I believe. And if he can get him in their best spots, they'll at least be a maybe a fun, scrappy defense to watch. And I think that's a uh, a success for them this year, as they've clearly pivoted toward the future. Kind of what you were alluding to with how Austin Ford has set up the draft, their next draft with the uh, trades in the previous one. And now we're finally getting to the NFC South. Finally getting to the fun stuff. Let's start with the Panthers. We both have them winning the division. I have them going nine and eight, as do you. And the breakout candidate, it's nobody other than Frankie Louvu, right? He's a guy who has counting stats that mirror some of the all-pro selections from last year. He's a guy that just really does everything. He's an excellent blitzer. He can line up over the edge and be an edge rusher occasionally. He's good in dropping into coverage, really good run fitter. You just can't really say enough about Louvu. And hopefully he finally gets the recognition he deserves this year uh, from maybe NFL Twitter and maybe some of the broadcasters as a whole talk about him more when the Panthers are on TV. I think most top 10 breakout candidate lists have Frankie Louie because of exactly what you said, <laughs> his, his counting stats are right there with some of the best and anybody that turned on his tape, the dude is all over the field, whether it's a pass rusher dropping back in the coverage. I think he had like what one or two pick sixes last year. Mm-hmm. I know it was and two he had a fumble touchdowns. six too. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he had the, three. And, and th- those help change the game. Those And it, you have that with a, a young offense. And that's why the X factor is, okay, yes, we shipped out DJ Moore, but we decided to look at some of those skill position players as like, hey, can we do this by committee? We go out, we sign Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders. We drafted Jonathan Mingo. And I think overall, some of those pieces as a unit are a little bit better than they were last year. So if those can kind of really click into place, they work within the system that Frank Reich is bringing uh, to Carolina. I think this is a team that can win the division. Like we were, we were a couple games short from winning it with PJ Walker, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. To me, Bryce Young, Andy Dalton, Frank Reich, this whole offense that we have is able to take the step forward this year. The team that we, we kind of 
have some disagreement going second in the division. I have them going third, but you have them going second are the Atlanta Falcons. That's right. Uh, ironically, we both had the same record, even though they're in different standings between us. We both have them going eight and nine. I think uh, outside of the Panthers, who improved tremendously across the board, uh, bias aside, just from the coaching staff, personnel, everything, I think the Falcons were really the only other team that improved across the board. Uh, they bring in Bijan Robinson, electrifying running back. They bring back Janu Smith to reunite with uh, Arthur Smith, the head coach. Uh, they brought in a ton of money on defense. And I think one of the breakout candidates is going to be coming from that defense. It's Troy Anderson, the linebacker they drafted from Montana State a couple years ago. I think he's going to be a real force in the middle. He's just an athletic freak. He had another 9.9x raw score, uh, like six foot seven guy. He played linebacker, running back. Uh, he played a little bit of quarterback at Montana State. He's just super fun to watch and an athletic uh anomaly and if with one year in the nfl kind of learning the nfl i think he's going to take a step this year just using his traits uh to overwhelm like running backs and tight ends over the middle i think that's a good breakout candidate the guy that i see as a breakout candidate for the falcons is jeff okudo like we talked about with marcus davenport earlier it's a guy who didn't necessarily live, live up to the draft hype the draft capital spent on him but i think with finding himself in a, a new scenery a new scheme and not having to be the number one guy. Because remember, Marcus Davenport is the number two to Danelle Hunter. And mm -hmm. in this case, Jeff Okudo is the second guy to A.J. Terrell. So having that, I think, will help the Falcons. And if you can get more playmakers on that back end, they add a Jesse Bates. If they can perform and, and just be an average unit, this is a team that could take a step and really be a division contender. Because like you said, outside of the Panthers, this was the only other team in the division that really seemed to add players across the board and got better as a team. Absolutely. And to get to our X factor, it's got to be Ritter, right? I mean, they have yeah. all the pieces there on offense for him. The O-line, uh, we might disagree, but we think it's at least average, right? Maybe, maybe a little above average. But they have all the skill position guys that Ritter just needs to get the ball to. It's just on him now. Can he be better than what Mariota was last year is the question. And if he can, can he execute the system. Yeah, absolutely. If he can, maybe we're talking about the Falcons as the division winner and not the Panthers, but that's, that remains to be seen going to the third team. This is the team I had in third. You had in second, the new Orleans. They are the market favorites to win, but yes, we do not have them winning yes. the division. That, that's a good thing to point out. They are the market favorites to win. I, I'm not quite sure why. I guess it's just they're just people are just used to the Saints winning the division or being good. Like I said, I have them going 7-10. and 10. I don't think they added anything substantial, whereas the Panthers and Falcons both did. And I have Alante Taylor as a breakout candidate. He's a guy that I wasn't super high on when they drafted him out of Tennessee. I thought they could have gotten better options there. Uh, I believe he was in the second round. But he showed some flashes down at the end of the year. They just let go of Bradley Roby, so I'm not sure if he's going to be like the corner two on the outside or the nickel corner, but I think he has a chance to take a step this year and build off what he did at the end of the year and be a guy that uh, other than Marcus Lattimore, you can trust to cover people in the secondary because Tyron Matthew wasn't the Tyron Matthew of old last year, and uh, that whole defense is just super old, so they need some young guys to step up, and I think Taylor's a guy that can do that. Believe it or not, and I've, I've talked – lengthily about the saints and how old their defense is like you were talking about but i do like pete warner their one linebacker 
think he can fly all over the place, make plays. And I think he's kind of that breakout candidate that if you need a guy to step up in this defense, he'll do it too. So having two guys that showing some promise on the defense are good moving forward. I think the X factor though is going to come on the offensive side. You need somebody outside of Chris Olave to step up. Like Absolutely. he's great. He's he could cement himself as top five, top ten receiver by the end of this year, depending on how things shake up and how he performs. But just like Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, they go out, they trade for a TJ Hawkinson, they draft a Jordan Addison, they realize they need to take pressure off their number one, so he's that much more explosive, and the guys around him are as well. So I'm I'm looking at Rashid Shahid. I'm looking at A.T. Perry, maybe Michael Thomas stays healthy. You, you need one of those guys to step up and be a playmaker. Absolutely. And they bring in a new QB, right? So hope you would think that they want to give the new QB some weapons, but didn't do too much to do that. Uh, Camara's been suspended. We talked about how they brought in Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller, but I'm not super high there. So yeah, and like wide receiver two through whatever definitely I think has to be the X factor for that offense. That leaves us with Team 32, uh, and funnily enough, they're actually Team 32 for you, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> I have them finishing 4-13. and 13. Uh, I think we all know what's going on here. Just not a good team. I think they're looking toward the future. I would say one bright spot that they have, and it's actually our breakout candidate here, is Rashad White. I think he's actually going to thrive as the number one guy. We know that Baker isn't the best at throwing over the middle or playing outside of structure. So I think he's going to get a lot of dump off passes. So I think his numbers might look pretty good this year. And Tampa Bay might have themselves a guy going forward the next couple of years uh, stapled with their running back position. We know how running backs are nowadays. You, No one's ever stapled in as the guy as the running back. But I think Rashad uh, White is a guy that can play there for the next few years and be good, be productive. Absolutely. Especially being on his rookie contract, he can show that flash and really be the productive back there in Tampa. However, they don't have a lot going for him on the offensive line. And a lot of, I think, where we're going to see the floor of this team is going to come from how good the defense can perform. And that's where my X factor is. And that's Devin White. Can he return to the form that we saw him a couple of years ago? They added Kalijah Kansi. They have playmakers on the front end. They have their secondary, for the most part, returning. Can he get after the quarterback? Can he be a playmaker on that side of the ball and fly around making tackles, forcing turnovers, and, and being a guy that can kind of turn the tide of a game? I think if you can see more of that from him this year, the floor of this team is going to go up a little bit. If he isn't, this offense is going to have a lot of three and outs, and it's going to keep that defense on the field for a very, very long time. I think that's super fair. Uh, I had a different X factor, and for me, it was all the early defensive line picks that they've had over the past couple years. Uh, Joe Tryon, Shoyinka was there. I think he was picked 32 after the Super Bowl win. They traded back uh, the draft after that and grabbed Logan Hall at like pick 35 or something. So he was effectively their first round pick. And like you said, they drafted Kalijah Kansi in the first round this past draft. So they really need any of those guys to step up and prove why they were first rounders. Uh, Logan Hall was a rookie last year, so didn't expect much. And Joe Tryon really hasn't uh, cemented himself as a, a first round pedigreed edge rusher. They just need one of those guys to step up this year if they want that defensive line to continue to be dominant. You know, they still have Vita Vea and Shaq Barrett, but this defense isn't as stout as it was when they won the Super Bowl three years ago. 
It isn't. And roster turnover is 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 a thing in the NFL. And we shouldn't expect this defense to be what it was during the Super Bowl run. All right. So we've kind of gone over every team's record, how we kind of see it playing out. We've had it our breakout candidates, our X factors. So it's time to get into the playoffs, get into the postseason. And I think the best way to do that is using the bracket that playoff predictor gives us. So starting with the NFC wildcard picture. I have the 49ers playing the Lions. The 49ers are the six seed. Lions the three seed. Got the 49ers winning there. I have the two seed Seahawks over the seven seed Giants. And I have the five seed Eagles over the four seed Panthers. I almost had the Panthers winning, but I just think the Eagles have a better roster. We've talked about how the Seahawks offense is crazy. And I do think the 49ers just have a bit more of a winning pedigree over the Lions. We haven't been alive to see a Lions playoff win. So... It's just what it is there. <laughs> well, on wild card weekend on the NFC, I actually have the Packers as the three seed since they went 10 and seven in the regular season over the San Francisco 49ers, a classic NFL NFC uh, playoff game at this point. The 49ers I have as the sixth seed. Then I have the Eagles as the two seed since they won the division over the Lions, who I have as a seventh seed sneaking into the playoffs. And then the Cowboys I have as the fifth seed traveling the Carolina and they beat Carolina in wild card weekend. So my number one seed is the Seattle Seahawks. Here's the Dallas Cowboys. How do you see the AFC wild card shaping up? So I think the AFC is a bit more interesting, uh, especially for me, because I had all those 13 and four teams, 12 and five teams. They're all duking it out now. I have the four seed Jets beating the five seed Bengals. I, I just think the Jets have added a ton and they're all in this year. This is a team that might make a trade at the trade deadline for like Mike Evans or something like that. I think they're definitely all in. That's what the Rogers deal was for. I have the two seed Ravens beating the seven seed Dolphins. If this is the year Lamar can stay healthy down the stretch, like I said, I think the sky's the limit for him. And I have the three seed Chiefs over the six seed Bills. I'm just always going to pick the Chiefs over the Bills in the playoffs. I think they've proven that they do have like have done what it takes to win and they have the Super Bowl pedigree over the past five years. And yeah, I just always have to pick them there. So even though I had the Ravens winning 12 games, they ended up with the four seed and a stacked AFC. I actually have the Jets as the fifth seed going in the Baltimore and beating Baltimore in the wild card weekend. I think it's going to be two of the better teams in the AFC facing off in the first week of the playoffs, which kind of stinks. I think it'll be a great game, but I think Aaron Rodgers and company kind of wins that game. Jaguars I have as the two seed. I have them beating the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are the seventh. And then the Bills, the number three seed, they get revenge over the six seed Cincinnati Bengals this year. I think those teams advance. Kansas City is the number one seed for me. You have the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we're on to the divisional round. Now we'll we'll swing back to the NFC. And the first matchup you have are the number one Dallas Cowboys versus the San Francisco 49ers, who are your sixth seed. That's right. I think we've seen that uh, the past three years now, if this holds true. And the Niners have gotten the better of them uh, the last two times. But I think this is the time cowboys fans that the cowboys actually advanced past the divisional round i have them beating the 49ers and i also have the two seed seahawks beating the five seed eagles i like both the cowboys and the seahawks offenses i think both of them have improved defenses and i think those are the two teams we're going to see in the nfc championship very nice 
I have the Seahawks as the number one seed and I have the Cowboys advancing to the divisional round, but kind of like what you talked about earlier with the chargers, like you're going to anticipate them to charge her until they don't charge her. And that's what I'm <laughs> expecting with the Cowboys here. They, they have done nothing in the playoffs since 1995. And until they do something to change that, I have them losing here in the divisional round to the number one seed Seahawks. I think the Seahawks top to bottom have a really great roster that could really come on strong at the late end of the year. And that leaves us with the other matchup, and that's the two-seed Eagles versus the three-seed Packers. And in this case, I have the Eagles winning, advancing to another conference championship versus the Seattle Seahawks. Sounds pretty good. It's interesting. Our teams were different, but we both had the one and two-seed from the NFC making it to the championship. Uh, it's not the same for me for the divisional round, however. I have the number one seed Jaguars beating the Jets, who are the four seed. Uh, I, I think this is the Jags' year. Like I said, number one seed in the AFC, incredibly potent offense. And uh, if their defense is just average, I think I can see them going a long way. And then I have the Chiefs beating the two seed Ravens. Like I, I'm just never going to doubt the Chiefs. They always seem to do what they have to do to win playoff games. And I think this continues this year. The Chiefs are really good. They've been the five straight AFC championship games. And believe it or not, I think that changes this year. I have the Chiefs as the number one seed, but I have the New York Jets going in the arrowhead and upsetting the reigning Super Bowl champions. It it's It's going to be wild. The national media is going to be talking about it for the next week. And we'll get to the AFC championship pick in just a second. But on the flip side, I have the two seed Jaguars beating the three seed Bills, ending Josh Allen and company's run, their true championship window in Buffalo. And I think that's going to be heartbreaking. It, it might lead to some changes in the coaching staff, but that's how I have the AFC shaking up. It'll be a Jets versus Jaguars AFC championship game. So you have Josh Allen beating Josh Allen, basically, in that game. Yeah, just like a couple of years ago. It was like, what, 10 to 7, Urban Myers here? Uh, I mean, it was, that's the it thing. It was 9 to 6. I remember nine that. To six. 9 to 6. Okay, there we go. Yeah. I knew I knew it was like low scoring, like very, very low. So Yeah. Um, it was a NFC. weird game. Yeah. Yeah, so we're on to the championship round, the final four. I, I did praise the Cowboys. I said they have the best roster in the league. Uh, they finally make it here for the first time since 95, I think. Yeah, 95, 96. Um, but it Are comes to an end. Are we going to talk about how you uh, copied, copied my flow? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I had my picks in before you here. But uh, it's going to come to an end. The Seattle Seahawks, who are my two seed, are going to defeat the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC Championship and advance to the Super Bowl for the first time in, I think, exactly a decade, right? No, no, no. It'd be nine years because 2014. So nine yeah. years, uh, they haven't been to the Super Bowl, haven't really done much in the playoffs since then, but they're going to make it here now. Uh, their time is now. Their offense is there. The defense is there. And Pete Carroll is going to make it back to the Super Bowl. Which is going to be super exciting. I have the same thing playing out. Instead of the Seahawks playing the Cowboys, I have the Seahawks hosting the Eagles. Uh, just like what we talked about with the Eagles, they lost a lot of pieces. I think that just keeps them a, a step away from the big game. I think they're still one of the four best teams in the league. 
and their conference championship berth is going to be proof of that. I just think the Seahawks are going to be better when it comes down to it. Now, on the AFC side, you have the Chiefs versus the Jaguars, and I have the Jaguars versus the Jets. Who do you have going to the Super Bowl? I'm never going to get bet against Patrick Mahomes. It's just as simple as that. I think they're going to figure this Chris Jones thing out. I, I don't think that they're going to go the whole season without him or get to the trade deadline without him. They need him and they understand that. So they're going to figure something out. They'll get the ship right and they're going to beat the Jaguars in a rematch of that playoff game from last year. And they're going to advance to the Super Bowl for the second consecutive year. It's hard. It's hard to bet against that. I have I don't have the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, but you you can never count against them. Now I think third year starter Trevor Lawrence takes the leap. He finishes top three in MVP voting, and I think he's the big reason why they have the first Super Bowl berth in franchise history, and will be playing the Seattle Seahawks come this February. That's uh that'll be interesting to see. I think we were the last two expansion teams, right? And the Panthers have made the Super Bowl already. So hopefully well, we had, will you see had the Ravens Bowl. and the Texans after Texans. us. But yeah, we were the last right. two that uh, came in together. To expand, yeah. yeah. Right yeah, cuz yeah, Houston and Baltimore were already teams that moved and stuff. But yeah, I think last two expansion teams, yeah. But it would be interesting to see the Jags in there. I completely agree. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to be the Chiefs in the Super Bowl beating the Seahawks, winning their second consecutive Super Bowl, third in the last, what, five years, six years. Uh, I'm just four? never going to. I think it's uh, no five years. It is third five in the years. past five yeah. year run. Yeah, I'm just I can't bet against Mahomes. He's he's just the best there is. It might be the best ever soon um, if he isn't already. And I think that he is just too good for that Seahawks defense. I think he's going to overwhelm them. And we're going to see like a random receiver like Justin Ross, uh, shout out Joseph Hefner, is going to show up in the Super Bowl and dominate. Like that's what Mahomes does. And uh, yeah, so what's going to be. Now, now, people that won't be looking forward to February, but we'll have stuff to look forward to in April and the offseason next year is the draft. And our two top teams were teams two years ago that were in the playoffs in the NFC were considered some of the best teams. And it's how the mighty have fallen. I have the team slotted to take the first overall pick in next year's draft as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think their team has really fallen apart. They lost a lot of pieces and the team that you have at number one is kind of the same. They're going through a rebuild. Yeah, uh, so you have this team at number two. It's the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they're my number one team. I think they're going through a rebuild as well. The difference between these two teams in my mind is that the Bucks still have some good pieces on defense, some like real NFL above average players. And I just don't really see that on the Cardinals team as a whole outside of maybe Buda Baker. Uh, and uh, Zach Ertz, even though he's on the downturn of his career. We don't know how much Kyler is going to play. It's just, this is a team that's built for the future. And you alluded to that, talking about maneuvering the trades in the draft and that kind of stuff. And with that, I actually have a team that's giving them their first round pick as the third pick in the draft. And that's the Houston Texans. I know you have them a couple picks later. We actually have the same first six picks, just in a different order. But yeah, Yeah. the Texans, I, I see them coming last in the division. The AFC is tough as a whole. 
And uh, they're definitely they're geared more towards the future, but I don't think there's going to be much success off the first year of the D'Amico Ryan, CJ Stroud pairing. The reason why I don't have the Texans at three is because they don't play in a really daunting division and they play the NFC South this year. So that's 10 games that are probably below like NFL average for the most part, where the team I have at three plays probably a little bit more of a daunting schedule playing in the AFC West. And that's the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think Jimmy G is the answer. I think Josh McDaniels isn't a great leader. I think he's a great play caller. And I think that's the, the discrepancy between being an offensive coordinator and being a head coach. Um, at number four, I have the Indianapolis Colts. I think they're going to be able to add another playmaker around Anthony Richardson and that team. They are going through a rebuild. They know what they are, and I'm really excited to see what they look like in two or three years. Now, the fourth team that you have is kind of going, I think, in the opposite direction. They don't have a lot to look forward to in the next like two years. Yeah, and it's the L.A. Rams. I will say they do have one thing to look forward to, and it's actually having a first-round pick for the first time since Jared Goff. But, for now, uh, for now. That, yeah, for, for now, yeah. You never, they might trade it for like a tight end or something, but you never know. Uh, yeah, they just that team's just rough to talk about. It's Yeah, it's just the Rams. I don't, I don't have anything more to say. Like I said, we both had the first top six teams just in different order, those being the Bucks, Cardinals, Texans, Raiders, Colts, and Rams, respectively. Uh, I have the Commanders at number seven. You have them at number nine. Um, they're just in a really rough division. I just uh, I don't see much out of them this year. If this team was playing in the NFC South, like they'd probably be favorites, and I'd I'd honestly yeah. probably pick them to win the division. Like they they are a good team. It's just like you said, they're in a bad position right now. Right. Uh, we both have the Bears top ten. You have them eight. I have them nine. Uh, I do think they'll improve, but they were the worst team in football last year for a reason. I don't think the expectation for them should be to win playoff games or anything. We forget that they actually won the number one overall pick. Uh, they just traded it away. And so they have a long way to go in terms of being competitive for a playoff berth or uh, advancing in the playoffs for that matter. Now, a team uh, that they... I have a little bit higher is the Denver Broncos. I, I really do like Sean Payton when we talked about the AFC West. They were my sneaky team to be the second best team in the division. When I started looking at it a little bit more, I just I, I think they're a year away. I, I think the Chargers have put a lot into this year and that'll pay dividends. And the Broncos playing in a loaded AFC are going to kind of suffer because of that. But I think they're going to bounce back next year. Yeah, I have the Broncos at 16. Um, I'm a little bit higher on them, I guess, than you are. But uh, yeah, they're, just, they're stuck in a division with the Chiefs and the Chargers and then just a crazy AFC. It's always hard to deal with a crazy conference like that. Um, now, I have the coming Saints in at, at 10... Oh, yeah. Talk oh. about the Saints. Yeah, you do have yeah. the Saints finishing seven and ten. So they have a top ten pick, which is right. Uh, should, you have the should Saints. be helpful. Yeah, it should be helpful. You actually have the Saints right outside your top ten at eleven. Um, I Yeah, like I said, I have them third in the division. I, th yeah, they're going to need a difference maker, I think, in the draft. They just didn't add too much, I don't think. Uh, this past year and I think they are going to regress a bit. And I think that maybe just maybe They'll see the error of their ways with all their cap stuff that they're doing and, and kind of realize that, hey, we're not winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. And winning a, just a horrendous division isn't worth screwing ourselves 
four or five years down the line. So maybe maybe they recognize that with a high pick and uh, kind of get moving in the right direction. And then you were about to allude to another NFC South that, team that you have in your top 10. Yeah, no, the at number 10, and you'll you'll talk about your 10th. Um, I have the Atlanta Falcons. I have them picking in the top 10 again. I just when when you go after and they are great players like Bijan Robinson is a good, solid running back. He will be phenomenal at the NFL level. Kyle Pitts, we've already seen what he can do. Drake London's explosive and and can win at the point of catch. They, they didn't invest enough in premium positions and it's going to bite them in the butt and they're going to finish right where they have been the last couple of years. And I think Arthur Smith might get canned. Like when you make some of these decisions and you try to go in this direction and it doesn't go the way you planned it to, things tend to fall apart rather quickly in the NFL. Yeah, like you said, they're excellent players, but they might not be difference makers just because of the position they play. I, I have the Falcons uh, picking 15th for what it's worth. And then my last top 10 pick is the Green Bay Packers. I know you had them winning the division. I'm not quite there yet. I think it's there are going to be some growing pains with Jordan Love. I know he's in, this is his fourth uh, year in the league, but he's really basically a rookie in terms of like snaps and experience. He hasn't played that much. And I think that uh, it's very young on the offensive side, outside the O-line, really young skill players. They have some youth on defense. So I think that they're in kind of a mini transitional period, not a not a uh, rebuild, not anything like that, but they are, they're just young. And I think it's going to take time for them to be a coherent play together and that sort of thing. And I think that the Lions are there right now ready to win the division. It, it is a competitive division. I actually have Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota consecutive in the draft, but I'm just not there on Green Bay yet like you are uh, this year. And that's okay. That's fine. That's good to have differing opinions, I think. Yeah, no, I, like you said, I, we had a lot of similarities to begin with. Having some of those differences shows just where we think these teams are, and we'll see where they actually end up at the end of the season. Wrapping up into more individual awards, we've talked about teams at length, where they'll finish, some of the breakout and X factors. But who are who are the guys that we think are going to be front runners for the awards? The Offensive Rookie of the Year, the MVP, uh, maybe some accolades like who has the most total touchdowns. So we'll kind of kick this section off with one of the positions, not positions, awards I was referring to, but the Offensive Rookie of the Year. And who do you think that's going to be this year? Yeah, it's uh, as much as I would love to say Bryce Young, I think it's going to be Bijan Robinson. Uh, he was the number one offensive player I had in the draft. Just an electric player. He's going to be a perfect scheme fit for what Arthur Smith likes to do in the run game and loading up some heavier personnel. The way I kind of look at it is if Tyler Algier was able to get 1,000 uh, yards last year as a rookie with somebody of his caliber, and I don't want to diminish Algier. He had a great rookie season. But if he was able to get 1,000 yards, Bijan should be able to get around 1,500 total yards. And it's hard to deny that as an offensive rookie of the year winner, even if Bryce Young has a great year. Yeah, if you have 1,500 rushing yards, you almost have close to 2,000 total scrimmage yards. You have 12 to 15 touchdowns. Yeah, It is hard to compete with that, even if Bryce Young balls out with, say, 3,000 yards and 25 touchdowns. So... The guy that I actually have, I know when we talked about the NFC South, I had Bryce Young as kind of my offensive rookie of the year pick. I've, I've kind of switched it up. I really like Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
Uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were kind of the runner up last year at rock offensive rookie of the year. And I think that's what he's going to do. I know he has the broken wrist, but I think he's going to come on strong. He's going to be open a lot. And Geno Smith likes throwing across the middle of the field and he'll be open there. So I think he's just going to get a lot of opportunities and he's going to blossom in what will end up being, I think the number one team in the NFC. Fair enough. I like the pick uh, defensive rookie of the year. I think this one's obvious. I'm going with, with uh, Will Anderson for Houston. He was the best edge rusher in the past probably five-ish drafts, 10 drafts, maybe something like since Miles Garrett at the very least. Uh, just an incredible player, really good run defender, pass rusher, uh, and he's going to be a real tone setter in D'Amico Ryan's defense. I think, I think this is a guy that we could see have a better rookie year than Aiden Hutchinson did, who had, I believe, nine and a half sacks, like three interceptions, stuff like that. Uh, I think Will Anderson's really going to be a star at the next level, and I'm looking forward to it. The league messed up. And I'm I'm not going to touch on some of the off-the-field issues. Several reporters have already talked about it. It's It's been addressed. It's time to move on. But Jalen Carter on the Eagles' defense, like you already have Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick coming off the edge. You also add Nolan Smith at the end of the first and you're telling me that now you add Jalen Carter in the middle of that defense. And he was arguably one of the best defensive players in college football the past couple of years. And Will Anderson's up there, but I'm saying Jalen Carter, you put him in on that defense. This guy is somebody who could tear things up, hit the ground running year one. And he's my defensive rookie of the year. Now, offensive player of the year, we go in two different directions. You stay in Philadelphia for this one. Yeah, uh, it's got to be Jalen Hurts, I think. This is the Offensive Player of the Year, I think, unfortunately, has been kind of a who's a runner-up for MVP kind of thing. And I think Jalen Hurts is going to have another really good year. He's not my MVP pick. That's why he's Offensive Player of the Year for me. But I think he's going to have another really good year. I think he and Devontae Smith are going to develop a stronger connection this year. Um, Yeah, he's just going to be really good. And they didn't get rid of that scrum play for whatever reason. So he's definitely going to get like eight to 10 rushing touchdowns just from that. So he'll have a pretty good counting stats here, I think. Devontae Smith, you say? Interesting. Okay, cool. Um, My offensive player of the year is actually a wide receiver. Quarterbacks that have not won the award over the past couple of years, usually the other position to get it is the wide receiver position. Justin Jefferson got it last year. I think it's Jamar Chase this year. He, if he plays all 17 games last year, I think he had would have had one of the best wide receiver years all of last year. And Jefferson balled out last year. So all those things considered, I think the offense he plays in, the quarterback he has in Joe Burrow, I think he's going to tear it up this year. And he's going to really cement, I can't talk, cement himself as being one of the top three to five wide receivers by the end of this year. And I don't think it's going to be a question. I think that's super fair. Uh, going on to defensive player of the year. This one's more of a uh, an award people look forward to, I guess. I, uh, I'm going to have to quit with my Cowboys hate yet again and go with Micah Parsons. He's just an outstanding player. I think he's fully transitioning to being an edge rusher this year. And as a part-timer, he was already incredibly effective. Uh, but as a full-time uh, hand-in-the-dirt, rushing-the-passer kind of guy, He's, I think he's going to be electric. Uh, he might rack up the most sacks, most pressures, all that kind of stuff. And I think he's really going to lead a Cowboys defense that's been really pretty good the past couple of years. Uh, actually, really good. I think they've been the number one defense the past couple of years. 
I'm I'm going a little bit more north with my pick. And I, I like Miles Garrett, man. It's it's hard not to like that Cleveland Browns D-line. And I, we've talked at length about what the Dallas Cowboys have on theirs. But, I mean, when when you're rolling out Dalvin Tomlinson, Zedarius Smith, you had a couple other free agents pickups and draft acquisitions. And Miles Garrett all of a sudden may have more one-on-ones. And he is one of the most explosive guys and powerful guys off the edge. I think he's going to be one of the lead leaguer, league leaders that that's a little bit harder to say in sacks and pressures like you were saying has been over the past couple years but i think their defense is just going to be so good and he's going to be a star on it that he's going to end up walking away with the defensive player of the year yeah it's uh it's kind of surprising to see that he hasn't won it yet i feel like he's a guy that should have won it by now but uh hopefully he gets it this year going on to coach of the year uh i know you like this one we all think that Trevor Lawrence is going to take the leap. And I think that being paired with Doug Peterson is a big part of it. I have Peterson winning coach of the year. I do have the Jags as the number one seed in the AFC. So that kind of helps his bid. But I do think that that offense is going to take an even further step. And he's going to be a big reason, a big part of that and a big reason why. And uh, it's hard to not give the coach of the year award to a number one seed. That's why I have it with Peterson. Yeah, I have the Jags finishing as the number two seed, which is why I actually hand the coach of the year award to the number one seed in the NFC, and that's Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks. I think both of these guys are going to be top three in voting by the end of the year. They do a phenomenal job preparing their team each week, and I I could see it going either way. It's like, do you prefer chocolate or vanilla? That That's really the end of the day is like a preference thing. I think both are really, really good guys. And we're going to see why this coming year when they put it all together. Absolutely. Uh, and then exec of the year, it's kind of an extension of coach of the year, maybe a little bit, just front office stuff. I have Joe Douglas. I think this one's a pretty easy one. Uh, the Jets were a good team last year with a very bad QB. And they bring in a guy that's a really good QB. He had a down year by his standards, but if he plays to the guy that we saw two years ago or three years ago who was a back-to-back MVP winner, the Jets' uh, ceiling is pretty high. I think I had him as a Final Four team. They could be a team that sneaks into the Super Bowl. But Joe Douglas, just for getting that deal done, has to be exec of the year for me. That's uh, it's, it's hard to argue with that, and if they make a deep playoff run, it'll only kind of – further that argument. I think it's going to be Eric DaCosta with the Baltimore Ravens. I think how they've shifted their philosophy and been able to do it almost succinctly between coaching staff and front office has been really fun to watch. And I think it's going to come to fruition this year as they inked their quarterback of the future to a massive extension this offseason. So moving forward to comeback player of the year, I'm going to state the obvious. I think this year, if DeMar Hamlin returns as a full-time starter, he has it. Uh, no, no questions asked, but I think the guy that you have listed is actually a very viable player, uh, especially considering his situation over the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I agree with DeMar Hamlin. I mean, his story is just crazy. Just being able to come back to football from something like that is incredible. He absolutely deserves it. Uh, my pick was Calvin Ridley, a guy that was barred from football for a year and then dealt with some injuries and some uh, mental health issues two, uh, two seasons ago and wasn't able to play the full year. If he's able to return to form, uh, like you said, the second team all pro player that we saw a couple years ago, he's going to help take Trevor Lawrence to a new level. And I think that uh, that's very viable to be a comeback player of the year winner. 
And then that brings us to the big one, MVP. Uh, why don't you go first? Because it kind of ties into the guy I just said. I know. I was I was I was seeing if I could uh, squeeze it in there, but good <laughs> good segue. I have Trevor Lawrence as the MVP, and really, I don't think there should be a question as to why. It's more just just turn on the tape and see what he was doing last year, see what he's done this preseason. His ability to break things down, process, make throws that are just like not of this world. Like he, he really does have a special arm talent that could be compared to a Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, maybe not the power, but it is, it is a special raw arm and he's starting to hone those abilities in. And I think Doug Peterson is just going to continue the cook with them this year as they, I, I have them at the two seed. You have them as the one seed. We both have them a game uh, in the AFC championship game. So we consider this team now in the upper echelon of all the teams that we're talking about in the NFL. So I, this is his arrival and the stamp of that. I think that's a really good one. My pick is a guy that uh, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about. Lamar Jackson won the MVP award a couple years ago, and I don't think he's taken a step back. I think the changes uh, with the offensive coaching staff, some of the personnel around him are actually going to help benefit him. He's got a, he's gotten lost under the shuffle of uh, players like Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, Justin Herbert, even a Trevor Lawrence. But I don't think Lamar's really taken a step back. He's still the guy that we saw those years ago. He's just he's dealt with some unfortunate injuries. He hasn't really had the best support cast around or supporting cast around him. But I think with the improvements to that offense. I think he's really going to show us why he was the MVP and why people should stop sleeping on him as one of the best QBs in the NFL. I mean, so I see some people like on Twitter ranking him as like QB seven or eight. It's like, are, are, are we forgetting what he did? He's, he's one of the now, better MVP candidates the past few years. I think he can what, get what there needs, again. What needs to be talked about. And I think he's developed this aspect of his game. Yes. I don't think the running is nearly quite what it was. And it, it's hard to do that when you have a, such early career dominance like he has and then he's had some of the injuries but the big concern was is that he couldn't really make throws outside the hashes and so we saw teams like the titans kind of thwart him and just throw out outside the numbers can you do it and he's gotten better with that going through his reads and i think exactly like you're saying he takes that step and he's exactly like where people have him ranked as like the seventh or eighth best quarterback he'll be a top five guy and i think he will make an mvp push like it's he's oh. that dude He'll be a he should be talked about as a top three guy. I don't know why people automatically it, it's because team success. Well, it's but. Josh Allen and Justin yeah, Herbert. Well, they they have some good mechanics and they are great quarterbacks. So it's it's hard to necessarily throw him in that top tier when he's had the injuries. When he's been healthy, he's definitely been that guy. Uh, that's completely fair. Uh, so those are our like official awards. Kind of moving on to a few unofficial ones. Kind of ones we came up with. Maybe breakout player of the year is one that I thought was a good one. It's somebody from our list of the 32 breakout players we talked about. I'm going to cheat here since I'm going first and go with Frankie Louvu, get the Panthers guys in here. Uh, I, I just think this is his time. I think he could easily be a pro bowler this year. Maybe sneak like a second team all pro or something like that. He's one of the best players on our defense. He's our best linebacker for sure. I, I just I really think it's time that he gets the love he deserves. 
Yeah, I think we're going to go a little bit more rapid fire here. So we may not cover as much, but my guy that I have, Frankie Louvre is a great choice. Uh, it's, it's Gregory Rousseau. I, I think I saw a lot of explosion from him last year. And if he continues to take another step, he's going to be a huge and pivotal player for them. Now, underrated player of the year, I think is going to be Max Crosby. I think he's extremely underrated in terms of what he brings in the run and the pass game. Arjun Menon kind of broke this down a week or so ago. Like I was typing this up on the script. He posted some of that stuff, and it was just like confirmation bias that, yes, this is somebody that's not talked about enough because he's not on a star-studded defense. He's not TJ Watt with the Steelers. He's not Nick Bozo with the San Francisco 49ers. He plays with the Las Vegas Raiders, and so he can kind of get swept underneath the rug. Uh, my guy, just kind of the same way, doesn't get talked about enough, Brian Burns. Uh, he's a guy that's really good, 12 sacks last year, should get more this year. Hopefully we can get the contract stuff done this week, and we aren't missing him for week one. But uh, just really, really good edge rusher. He's improved as a run defender, and uh, he's one of the leaders of our team. So next one we got, fantasy football player of the year relative to their ADP. I have Damian Pierce because I think Pierce is going to be like a rushing monster because I think they're going to lean on him a bit more with uh, Stroud uh, learning the speed of the game. His ADP when we made this was 40. I think he's just going to be in maybe a top six or seven running back. Definitely worth a pick at 40. I think you got him somewhere around 40 in our league draft we had the other day. Had it last night. Yeah. Now another guy that I have as the fantasy football player of the year or yeah, fantasy football player of the year is Jahan Dotson. I think with Terry McLaurin having the turf toe, Sam Howell does have a special arm in terms of making throws. And I think Dotson just takes this step in year two. And if he can stay healthy, like this is a guy that's going to win leagues. So if you haven't had your draft yet, keep an eye out for him, especially in some of the later rounds, put him on your team. He should be a immediate day one contributor on your fantasy team. All right, let's go even more rapid fire. Most passing yards, I've got Lamar Jackson, MVP winner. I got just I got Justin Herbert. All right, passing, passing touchdowns. touchdowns. Yep. Geno Smith. Josh Allen. Now right. rushing We're... yards, changing it. You have a guy in Dallas. Tony Pollard. He's coming out of Zeke's shadow, should get two hundred more touches. Got Bijan Robinson, even though he'll be splitting carries with Algier. I think this guy still racks up, like you said, 1,500 yards. All right. Rushing touchdowns, like I said, Damian Pierce. We saw what Jamal Williams did in Detroit. David Montgomery's taking that role. I think he racks up uh, more than 10 touchdowns. He might get close to 14 or 15, depending on how the Lions season plays out. Fair enough. Receiving yards. I've got Garrett Wilson, rookie of the year last year, and now he has a real QB. I said he'd be the offensive player of the year. Jamar Chase, I think he leads the league in receiving yards. All right, receiving touchdowns. Uh, this was before the Kelsey stuff news came out today, but I have Travis Kelsey. Uh, even if he misses, Even if he misses one or two weeks, I still think he could lead the league in receiving touchdowns. He's far and away the number one in that offense. And uh, he always seems to snag like three or four a game versus the Chargers. So we'll see you there. We shall see. I have C.D. Lamb with the Cowboys. I think he takes another step, and he really tears it up this year. All right. Uh, scrimmage yards, like total yards. I've got Bijan Robinson. Uh, my rookie of the year pick is I picked him number five in fantasy. Just really like his game, and I think he's going to tear it up in year one. 
For a nice pick, I have Jameer Gibbs with the Lions. Feel like he's just going to be a Swiss Army knife in that offense, probably rack up a 1,000 rushing yards, maybe close to a 1,000 receiving yards, close to the McCaffrey year we saw a couple years ago. Now, total touchdowns, I have Josh Allen with the Bills. You have your MVP candidate. Mar Jackson. Uh, going to get a lot of passing looks, and he's still a threat with his legs. He those That hasn't diminished completely. He's going to still be a threat to get a couple of those red zone touchdown runs or scrambles. Uh, interceptions. So going more to the defensive side, I've got a guy who tied for the league last year, Minka Fitzpatrick. I like the additions to their defense, especially in the secondary. So that's going to let him roam around a lot more and use his ball skills to get even more picks this year. I like it. I think the Patriots defense with their front seven is going to put a lot of pressure on offenses and Christian Gonzalez is going to benefit from that. I think the rookie out of Oregon leads the league in interceptions, kind of takes the league by storm. And the sack leader I have, you've already mentioned his name as the underrated player of the year, but I think Brian Burns leads the league in sacks this year. That's a good one. Uh, I had your defensive player of the year winner as my guy, Miles Garrett. That, uh, that Browns D-line is nasty, and I think he's going to benefit from the additions. And that kind of takes us into the last of our awards. These are negative awards that we came up with, like awards you don't want to win. So first coach fired. I have Kevin Stefanski. Back when we talked about the AFC North and the Browns like two months ago, I thought the Browns could really get off to a slow start. They don't have one of the better opening stretches in their schedule. So if they start like like one and five, like two and six, two and seven, I think they might try to get rid of Stefanski because you can't get rid of the QB, right? Because all the money's guaranteed. You can't, you just can't mm-hmm. get rid of them. But they have to go somewhere. Like they can't just accept the season as a failure right there. I think Stefanski could get the boot. And you do have a former coach in Jim Schwartz on that staff now. So mm-hmm. maybe that adds a little bit of pressure. The first coach I have fired, I've talked about it on a different podcast. I've talked about it on this podcast, and I'm going to say it again. It's Todd Bowles. Uh, Buccaneers are a dumpster fire. He did nothing to rectify his uh, resume or what he's known for as a head coach last year when he took over in Tampa Bay. And that's why I think they're the worst team in the NFL this year. I, I really do think they are going to hit rock bottom. Yeah, I have Cardinals as my worst team. We kind of went over that in the uh, the whole draft order thing, but not super high on the Cardinals. I know you're not super high on the Bucks. Most interceptions thrown. I've got Dak Prescott uh, winning this again. Um, he, he does get a little bit reckless on some third down stuff. He, he makes a ton of plays, but he will get a little loose with the ball there, and I, I could see him leading the league in picks again. I think it's going to be Jared Goff. He's going to miss the speedster and DJ Chark and who departed in free agency and then Jamison Williams being on suspension. I think it's going to lend itself to just uh, kind of careless mistakes and we'll see it rack up in the turnover department. Now, most sacks taken with the poorest offensive line in Tennessee, even though I do like Andre Dillard and Peter Skronsky on that offensive line, I think Tannehill gets taken down the most times by opposing defenses. That's fair enough. I think this award and the next one both kind of hinge on the O-line. So I have Tua Tagovailoa, a guy who certainly doesn't need to be taking the most sacks, but I'm just not super high on that Dolphins O-line, and I think uh, he's going to end up getting on the ground more this year. or Not more this year, but again, a lot this year. And then the next one we have is maybe an extension of that. Most fumbles. I have Mac Jones. Again, I don't like that uh, Patriots O-line. I think they're going to be able to get around those tackles, get some pressure up the middle, maybe swipe at the ball a lot and get a lot of fumbles out of Mac. 
I'm I'm going with a quarterback named Jones, but he's actually he plays in New York. His name's Daniel Jones. Just got extended. He's not had the best track record with fumbles. I think he'll do better in the interception department, but he'll lead the league in fumbles. Now, our NVP. Who do you have? Right. This is this is not the Nickelodeon VP. This is like the negative VP, like the opposite of the MVP. And we wanted to go with somebody we thought would play substantial snaps. Uh, so not like a rotation guy or anything. Somebody that is just going to be hard to watch, uh, not very good, and plays a lot of snaps. And I went with Baker Mayfield. Uh, I, I just don't like the Bucks. They were my second worst team. I think the O-line is going to struggle a bit with all the movement. And Baker isn't good behind good O-lines, so he definitely won't be great behind a bad one. Uh, it's just a perfect storm for him to to not have the greatest season of his career. I have Deshaun Watson. He paid the dude a fully guaranteed contract. He did not look good at the end of last year. And if he doesn't turn it up this year, like he said, it's going to lead the Kevin Stefanski seeing the door. And this whole team kind of getting a reboot next year because they have a lot of dead, pretty much not dead money, effective uh, cap space. It's negative right now. They're, they're like the bottom of the league with like the Chargers and the Saints. And that's not a category you want to be in. And that's where the Browns have found themselves. So a lot is riding on his shoulders. and I don't think he's going to be able to step up to the plate. Now, a segment we'll be doing throughout the regular season each week as we're obviously wrapping up this segment going towards kind of actual games, we have our picks. So Jacob is going to be coming from more of a uh, tone setter, just vibe based picks, which I think is great. You need some of that. You, that that's that's half of sports betting world as we know it. Um, I'm going to be coming from it more analytics side. I'll be using kind of models to kind of uh, help advise with some of the picks I make. And so in this case, Jacob has three games. He's actually going to call a lock of the week and then two other games, and I'll have two as well, and then the upset of the week. So who do you have? That, that's right. you got to go with your gut on some of these. Uh, and, for example, Carolina. Uh, obviously, they're probably not favored to win or anything, but I've got them winning, covering, get take the money line, whatever. I think that uh, they're just the better team between the Falcons and the Panthers, especially if Burns plays, they're the better team. And we saw what Bryce did last time in that stadium. Uh, he had a pretty good game. You might want to Google that game. Uh, the Jets and the Bills. Uh, I have the Jets w uh, winning that one and covering their two and a half spread. I think I do think the Jets win. It's at home, Monday Night Football, Rogers debut. I think everything is just going to go well there for them. And then my lock is the Jags covering versus the Colts. I mean, we both are pretty high on the Jags. Uh, just not much more to say. Four and a half spread. Jags all the way. Go into, uh, go into the final four. Take the Jags. So my model agrees with your Carolina take. Maybe not the money line, but it definitely agrees with taking the cover. The Jets bills and the Jags Colts, not so much. The first pick I have is Saints versus Titans. I would take the Saints to cover. I think the negative three is going to lend itself to them. They're playing at home. I think they win by probably closer to a touchdown. Uh, Packers at Bears. I I don't know why the Bears are favored. Justin Fields is not good versus the Green Bay Packers. And yes, you can point to he hasn't had wide receivers over the past couple of years, hasn't had an O-line. But I don't see Green Bay's defense really any worse than they were last year. So I really think they're able to kind of suffocate Justin Fields. And Jordan Love does just enough to win week one. Now, if you thought that was 
a little bit crazy of the upset. That wasn't my upset of the week. My upset of the week is Raiders at Broncos. And the Broncos are right now favored by about three and a half points. I think the Raiders win. I, I don't think they just cover. I think they win. And they kind of surprise everybody. It kind of serves Sean Payton a little slice of humble pie in the division early on in the season. And we'll kind of shake some things up going into week two. I like all of these picks just from uh, both of us as a whole. Kind of, kind of wrap up the season projection and bring it into uh, Panthers talk for Week One. Just kind of list off some questions, rapid fire your thoughts there. So, like with the Falcons, uh, their offense and their firepower. What do you think about the trio of Pitts, uh, Drake London, and Bijan? They can do a lot of different things with them. We're going to see a lot of diversity. They don't have a lot of depth at the wide receiver position. So we're going to see a lot of exotic packages, which is going to put a lot of strain on lighter defenses. So if team likes to operate more out of like a nickel package, they're going to be in more base looks because they're facing 12 and 21 personnel. And you have a take that we might see 22 personnel at a very high percentage clip. I was actually kind of surprised that you said this, but if we're to break it down by the five best players on the field, I think you might be right. Yeah, I mean, they have the guys to do it, right? They could, so obviously, Drake London's their one, like their receiver, so just put him out there. And they'll have Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith, a guy that's familiar with the head coach, and Kyle Pitts, who's an athletic anomaly at a tight end. And then Bijan Robinson, another anomaly. And then they could put in maybe a Cordell Patterson or Tyler Algier. And the way they could use these players, like you think 21, 22 personnel, oh, it's heavy, they're going to run it. Well, maybe, maybe not. Kyle Pitts is basically a receiver, just listed as a tight end. Bijan Robinson was an effective receiver. We could see Janu Smith playing more of a fullback role as a blocker. Cordero Patterson's been good as a wingback. They could do a ton of exotic stuff out of some crazy looks that defenses may not be prepared for. And that's one of the main things I want to look at during uh, our game versus them in week one is that how are we going to attack their some of their funky formations where we see Jonu Smith and Cordero Patterson lined up on one side, maybe uh, Bijan split out wide, and then we have Pitts and London on one side. It's it's going to be interesting for sure. But I think the it's, main it's thing be... we want to look at – oh, go, yeah, you got it. No, it's 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 definitely going to be crazy seeing how they're going to scheme everything. And I think the point comes back to Janu Smith because a lot of the guys you said have the ability to catch the ball. And that's my fear coming out of like a 22 personnel is do you trust – Cordell Patterson or Janu Smith, because they really don't have a fullback on this roster to be that lead blocker in some of these outside zone concepts that Arthur Smith likes to run. So that is what I'm curious about if we are to see 22 personnel. Um, for me, I can definitely see the transition between 21 and 12 a lot more because then you get a Matt Collins, a Matt Collins in there or Scotty Miller who can, who can do a little bit more, whether it's having a true X or having a slot guy for shorter routes. Absolutely. It's going to be funky and I'm looking forward to it. But the main other thing I wanted to look at was how is Bryce going to be? Uh, this is his first meaningful game. It's a division game to start his rookie career, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and it's an away game too. Like we're not at home or anything. So how's he going to look under pressure and uh, who's he going to favor? We know DJ Chark is questionable. They've been using Mingo in a bunch of different ways. Is it going to be like safe targets like Adam Thielen or Hayden Hurst? Is, is Miles Sanders going to play? I know he had a, a nagging groin injury over the preseason. So like, who's he going to look at? Uh, how's he going to handle the pressure? 
I think those are the two big things I'm looking forward to for the game. And I'm sure you could agree there. Yeah, no, that and we'll we'll touch on one defensive point. I think it's going to be because we talked about the Falcons offense, but on our defense, it's really going to be seeing Shy Tuttle and Derek Brown for the first time. YGM, he finished top 10 in edge rushers and run stop win rate last year by ESPN. Uh, so you pair that against this Falcons run defense, we have a shot. I think the big concern is, do we have Brian Burns week one? And I think you and I are in consensus that the front office really has their hands tied behind their back and has no choice but to get this deal done. So hopefully we see them, like Shaq kind of alluded to, back with the team tomorrow, a deal linked, and smooth sailing the rest of the year. Uh, yep, it's like they can't not pay him what he wants, right? Uh, they turned down that offer from the Rams – it's time to pay up. Stop being stingy. He's a top and, and what, we, seven edge rusher in the league. Just come on. Give him what he wants. Exactly. And he's he's earned that. And we decided not only the trade with the Rams, but we didn't do it with Chicago. We could have shipped him mm-hmm. there, had them deal with his contract. We already had DJ Moore under a deal. So it's one of those things that at this point, we got to put our money where our mouth is. Um, what I see the outcome of this game Uh, And it will depend on if Brian Burns is starting. But we split with this team last year, and Carolina covered both times. We lost by three when the spread was uh, four favoring Atlanta. And then we won by 10 in Charlotte when they were favored by two and a half. In a three-week span, as with P.J. Walker as the starting quarterback. So with Bryce Young, some of the improvements we've been talking about throughout this entire series, I think that we end up pulling this out. Um, and like I alluded to with the defensive line, I think we're going to see Derek Brown and YGM uh, really make a statement in stopping this run and stopping Bijan. Because if they can kind of manage the offensive line and they can keep the run game in check, I really don't think Ritter can beat up. Absolutely. That's my, that's my take as well. We should be walking away with the win. So this does it. For our preseason series, this is a total of nine episodes. I think this episode is hitting the two-hour mark, which is a first for us. We'll be shifting more towards uh, talking about weekly picks, uh, Panthers wrap-up after each game uh, each week, and then a couple of highlights around the NFL. There's always some good storylines, things to keep on track of, um, and we'll, we'll keep you guys posted with that stuff. But for now, that's a wrap.